you want to learn more about effective management, head over to madsingers.com and sign up for my free management training. Welcome to the Mad Singers Management Podcast from madsingers.com, where entrepreneurs and business managers learn and share. If you like the show, don't forget to leave a review. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Isaac Smith. Welcome to the show, man. Hey, Mads. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really glad to be here with you. I am excited about today's show. We, we did a podcast on, on your podcast a while back, and that was very, very fun. So yeah. I'm really, really interested and eager to have you on this show. So I'm looking forward yeah, to it. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, it was really great to have you. Um, I love to, to dig into stories. So it was great to hear like how you came up, what got you interested in management, and, and that whole story. That was really cool to hear. Excellent. Excellent. There is still a few people around the world that don't know who you are. Would you mind doing a quick introduction to those? Which sure. I'm sure is few individuals, but uh, <laughs> someday, someday. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm uh, I'm a husband, a father, a son, all that good stuff. Um, I've been in e-commerce for the past six years or so, and um, I've re- last year I keep wanting to say recently, but now it's been over a year. I can't say that anymore. I I sold uh, e-commerce business last year. And um, since then, I've been helping people with bookkeeping. Uh, that's been a big area that I've focused on because it was a pain area for me. And um, I know a lot of people have trouble with it. And I also started a podcast where I interview awesome people like yourself, other business owners, and, and really get to hear people's stories, uh, lessons learned, um, things like that. So that's that's what I've been up to lately. Cool, cool. And um, how, how long did you run uh, your e-commerce business? Well, the one that I sold uh, at at the at the time of the sale had been running for four years. Um, I started in e-commerce in 2014. Um, <laughs> had a string of failures before that one actually uh, was a hit and it grew into something that that uh, I eventually sold. But yeah, so it's been a while now. Been a while. That's good. That's good. So a couple of things we want to talk about today. I think let's start out with hiring because that's something I know you're very passionate about. So uh, obviously lots of lots of the audience hire people and many of them Many of them, I guess, do it for the first time, uh, but many have maybe done a few hires already. Quite a few of them struggle. Uh, definitely a lot of my clients that have helped with hiring and that still getting support with hiring. So any, any magic bullets, any sort of great things you want to share around hiring? Sure. So I think this, you know, when you think about hiring, um, you know, there's all different things that people could be thinking about. People could be thinking about VAs. I know you have done a lot of work with VAs in the Philippines and all around the world. Um, Of course, there's hiring locally, which, you know, I think most people think of them as probably different, 
but really I see it all as building a team um, where they are or whether they're quote unquote a VA or not, you're still building a team and this is part of your culture and who you are. And so I think this can apply pretty broadly, um, but <laughs> all of my best lessons <laughs> have come from painful mistakes that I've made. And um, I think everybody listening, if you've, if, you've been, if you've been in business a while, you've hired, we've all had these mistakes, um, especially hiring VAs. It, it's, it is hard because you just don't know, you know, they're all the way in the Philippines or somewhere. And uh, it's hard to get a sense of like, what does this person actually expect? Um, so I, yeah, I made a string of mistakes um, and it took about, I think I, I think I hired four full-time people that all just ended horribly. <laughs> just, yeah. uh, in, you can imagine, I'm sure everybody's had that experience where it's, you either hired the wrong person or you, you didn't set them up for success. You didn't give them expectations, you know, for what to, you know, what the job would really be like. Um, all of these things. Um, I was working with one guy for 10 months and then it just became uh, just really difficult to get anything done. Um, so yeah, these are experiences that I think a lot of people have. And, and after about the fourth one, uh, that was like over a year into my journey of hiring, I finally had to just sit back and reflect and think, gosh, are these people really, are, are they really that bad or is there something wrong with me? Yep. And <laughs> when, when you put it like that, it, it, it kind of stings a little bit. But I mean, what is the one common denominator among all of these things? Really, it's me. And so, uh, there were several points along the way where I said, forget it. I'm never hiring. I'm going to figure this out on my own, or it's just too much pain to try and go through that process again. I'm just going to spend a few months on my own. Um, but after you do that a few times, you realize you can't, you just can't get around it. You've, you've got to build a team. And so the thing that really, um, changed gave me that sort of light bulb moment i was really frustrated with having to do this all over again i didn't have any uh training in place i was just you know one-on-one -on -one training all these people and then you know they'd quit or they just wouldn't perform and i'd have to say sorry this isn't working um so finally i realized you know i've got to put some processes in place so i or at least some training videos so that I don't have to spend so many hours just to have to start over again. But the thing that really made a big difference for me was, um, so there's a guy, Grant Cardone. Are you familiar with him? I have no, no off him. I would say. Yeah. So for the listeners, I, I talk about him quite a bit because of this story. It was quite an, an epiphany for me. Um, but, Grant Cardone, if you're not familiar, he's one of these online business guys. He's very loud, very vocal, very brash. He's kind of in the vein of like a, a Gary Vee. Um, he's 
I don't really agree with everything he says, but he has a pretty good book, which is the 10x rule, um, which will light a fire under you if, you're, <laughs> if you need that. Um, and he said one thing that really, really hit home for me was, so, he, so he's a sales guy. So he trains salespeople. That's his main thing. And he also, also does real estate. And so he said this thing that kind of, I guess, changed my life is uh, he said, I'm always selling. Even when I'm buying, I'm selling. And I thought, well, that's interesting. What does he mean? And I think this is in the 10X rule book. Um, and he said for his example was, so he buys apartment buildings. And he said, um, you know, when I buy, when I'm bidding on an apartment, maybe there are three or four other people bidding on this. And I don't just put my bid in and wait. I go contact the seller and say, hey, uh, look at this. I, I know that I don't look like maybe the most professional. I don't have the biggest team. Um, maybe these other guys look more attractive to you in that way. But here's what's going to happen if you sell to them. They've got a board of directors that you're going to have to get approval from. You're going to have to go through all these hoops. All, this, uh, all these people are going to have to sign off. But if you sell to me, I'm your man. We sign, we get the deal done and we go. You don't have to go through anyone else. And I thought, wow, that is such a great attitude because he's right. Like even when, when you're buying, you should be selling. Yeah. So, I mean, real estate, how, what does that have to do with me? I don't do real estate, but I think I heard that at the right time. And I realized, oh, hang on a second. I'm not buying talent. I'm not buying somebody's time. I'm actually selling an opportunity. Yes. Because, yes, if you think about it, like, what do I know about these people? And, and I was hiring in the Philippines, VAs, for the most part. Well, actually on Upwork all around the world. But you know, what do I know about these people? Well, they go from client to client. Usually they're treated pretty poorly. Um, people who message them in the middle of the night and say, where are you? What are you doing? You know, and they probably would like some stability in their lives and maybe some opportunity to, to build a career, which they can't really doing this freelancing stuff. So I realized, well, actually, you know, First of all, I'm, I'm a kind of a nice guy, I think. I don't treat them poorly. I don't demand. They should be at least. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't make all these demands. So you know what? Actually, I actually have a lot to offer. And so as soon as I made that switch in my mind, everything changed. And I started like the everything changed from the job description, to the interview process, to the applications, to onboarding and how the business um, is structured is really like, I, I have an op, first of all, I'm going to sell this opportunity to you, but then I have to make good on it, of course. So let's, let's make sure that happens. So I think that, that was a really big moment for me. Um, and I think all of us business owners, um, we have unique things in our businesses. You know, first of all, we're nice people usually, um, you know, so sell it. 
I, I mean, it, it's <laughs> what I always tell my first lesson when it comes to recruitment is always that uh, most people look at recruitment as fulfillment, but mm. recruitment is sales, right? Mm. It, if you just want to fill a role, I mean, you can you yes. can pick anyone anywhere and, you know, they can do a shitty job for you. But uh, if, if you want the best talent out there, you got to sell your business. Right, you gotta sell not just not just the opportunity, but the business, the culture. Like you gotta sell, right? And that, yeah, that's exactly what you're saying. So, totally I agree with it. that. Yeah, and I can tell you, even from the job description, like I changed the job des- description. Used to be, um, here are all the things I want you to do. Uh, you, <laughs> here are these requirements, these are the tasks, and you think about that, who's going to be inspired by that? You know, the people who have choice to, to choose a good job, you know, maybe they've had some experience or they have a reputation, they don't need to pick up that crappy job. But if you lay it out as, hey, here's an opportunity, get excited it actually brings different people to apply to you. And so I hear a lot of people complain like, oh, I'm just not getting great people. But you're, you're only getting the bad people to apply to you. The great people are not even clicking through. Yeah. Spot on, spot on. And, and it, I see that as a mix, right? It's a mix between selling the opportunity but it's also about understanding how to sell it because I think mm-hmm. like fundamentally so many people, when they do a job ad, they find a similar job ad on a typical job site and they make a copy, right? And they're <laughs> like, oh, this is yes. the responsibility and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Right? But, but that there's, there's no drive in it, right? Like there's no appealing. Like my, my philosophy of recruitment is very simple the best people are rarely unemployed, mm, yeah. right? And I think that's such an important mindset to have that basically you're not going out to steal an employee. That's not the, that's not the mindset, right? But the mindset have to be that you're looking for someone who's already so good that they're already employed and they're probably already doing an amazing job somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Right, because if you approach things that way, you like like so often when when I see people, they're like, "Oh yeah, someone should be so lucky to get to work with me," and I'm like, "No, uh, it's an opportunity, yes, but you don't want someone that you know can't even get a job and is super lucky mm-hmm. just to get your opportunity. You want someone that you're lucky to get, <laughs> uh, and yeah." Uh, obviously, it'd have to work both ways, right? But but fundamentally, you're looking, if you want the best people, and if you're a business owner, trust me, you do, you have to make sure that you that you really position the, the job the right way, right? Yeah. And I'll give, for those listening, you know, um, if you're if you're thinking, I, I, by the way, I love that, go, that your description of people, I, that's what I did the first time I hired because I didn't I, what should I put in this job description so I went on and looked at all the similar ones and well I'll, I'll put that too <laughs> but 
yeah, for those listening, if you want to like a, you know, know exactly how I did it, it um, and how I continue to do it is um, I start out. It it's no longer is this a job description. This is a sales page, and even though it may be on a job board, it's still my sales page with a great headline. You know, you got to get that person to click through. Then at the very top is like, are you a rock star? Yes. <laughs> then we should work together. And then the very next line is like, here are all the reasons why you should be excited to work for me. Then I list them out, you know, um, like I'll invest in your education, which is true. You know, if you want to move up and do take on more responsibility, why would I not want that? You know, yeah, I'll pay for a course or training or whatever it takes. Um, and so people who have uh, aspirations and they're ambitious, uh, that really gets them excited. Yep. Definitely, definitely. And I, I think, again, it's, it's the mindset thing, right? But I, I 100% agree. I think one of, one of the things that you actually touched on in the, in the beginning was the fact that you know if people hire in like in cheaper cost location like Asia or if they hire locally, one of the big 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 things I see people fail with is management, right? Because what mm -hmm. I see them fail with is they treat the people they hire locally totally different than someone they hire, for example, in the Philippines. Mm. And the problem is, if you're not treating someone as a proper employee, but you're still expecting amazing input, then you're going to be really disappointed, right? Now, on the other hand, like I have clients that have built million-dollar businesses that are run 100% by Filipino people, right? Yeah. But the key thing is that treating them like, any other employees they're not being like oh well you know they're five bucks an hour so who cares <laughs> like that's not the mindset right and if you want to be successful that is not that should not be your mindset right the key thing is the, the way i look at people from a business standpoint is that anyone that you recruit anyone that you have in your business is fundamentally a resource right now your resources have different skills they have different abilities they have different aspirations of different things they want to achieve in life right but but fundamentally they're all resources they all cost you money but they all have a certain amount of time and basically and and this sounds horrible but management is fundamentally manipulation right mm. but it is about manip oh. it's about manipulating people it's about manipulating people to do the best thing you believe they can do within the time they have, right? Because one of the yeah. things is with human nature, with human nature, right? A lot of people, if you sit them down and say, sit and stare at this computer or sit and play games or sit and like waste your time, basically. What happens is if you don't have the drive to do something productive, if you don't have the drive to do something, what will happen is when you've been sitting and playing games for a certain period of time, your drive to do something disappears. Mm, yeah. Right? 
And when I say management is manipulation, what I mean is you really have to manipulate people. Uh, sometimes people come with a great attitude and, and you know, they're 100% on, but you really have to manipulate people to some extent into, uh, into giving their best, right? And mm-hmm. I, I use the word just because I, I, it, it is a little bit controversial, but that's really how I look at it, right? Now, your responsibility when you're manipulating people is to make sure that you know, you're doing it in what you feel is the best for them and for you, right? So you're not trying to manipulate them into doing a crap job. You're trying to manipulate them into doing a good job and really utilizing the time they work for you for the best potential outcome, right? That is, I, I can totally relate to what you're saying because like, and actually, I've, I've been uh, coaching some people through this process lately. And, actually, and yesterday, I was, I was uh, working with someone and going through, we were talking about how you, you, after you hire someone, your job's not done. You know, you don't just go, okay, see ya, right? Um, I discovered through reading books and also from doing it wrong so many times, you really need to have a strong, um, I guess, team indoctrination uh, program where you, you talk about or have videos about, like, these are our values. This is what we do. This is why we do it. And also um, talk about your story. And so, because you want to build a connection with these people. And if you do this right, you, I mean, it's just video, but it's amazing how deep of a connection you can create with somebody just by saying, here are these series of videos and, and actually being honest and vulnerable. And so like, for example, like I talk about my journey as an entrepreneur, how I've struggled, some of the things that I've felt, you know, some of the really low moments um, and being very, even actually showing emotion on the camera. um, I can't tell you the response I've gotten from the team. Like I didn't expect it. Like we're we suddenly have a really deep bond and um, I kind of, sometimes I feel like I feel a little bit guilty. You know, like this is so powerful, you know, I have to be very responsible with what I do, you know, because it, it's really, it, I mean, I knew, I knew that that's what I was going for, but I didn't realize how powerful it would be. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. And it's- <laughs> so you said manipulation. I thought, oh man, yeah, that, that it feels like it sometimes. Yeah, but I, I think the key thing is to, to carry it with that responsibility, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, a little bit like when you're, when you're raising kids, as an example. Not, not that it's comparable, but in the same way, right? You're, you're trying to get the kids to do what is going to be beneficial for them in the future, right? So you're trying mm-hmm. to teach them habits that will be beneficial for them in the future, etc. And then, Fundamentally, that's also manipulation to some extent, right? So. Yeah. 
And actually, that makes me think I was having a conversation with someone yesterday about something similar, um, something that I, you and I have talked about before, which is don't answer their questions, right? And <clears throat> excuse me, with my daughter, you know, <laughs> there are so many questions that, of course, I, I do answer some of them, but I really try to say, well, what do you think about that? Because I want her to, to, to think critically about the world around her. And eventually, I'm not going to be around. So I want to train her to do that. So, and, and it is very similar with your team, training them to think critically about what they're doing rather than come running to me for every little thing. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And uh, yeah, I, I think that's, that's very good. That's very good. Any other sort of great hiring tips and tricks and so on? Hmm. Well, yeah, hiring, um, I think it starts by you've got to attract the right people. And like you say, I, I have not figured out the, you know, like you say, um, the best people are already employed. And so I haven't mastered that, <laughs> the art of finding those people. Um, but the, the people who are available or at least the ones who are looking, um, I think, yeah, you, you start, you, there's, there's a process. I think you first, you have to attract the right kind of people. Um, then you have to filter out the, yeah, there's just so much spam and people who don't read what you're offering and just send you all kinds of noise. So you have to filter that out. Um, I think most people know about like putting an Easter egg in, in the job post somewhere, making sure they read it. But then also you want to test people. And so, you know, you can easily do this by creating your own application on uh, Google Forms or something like that, where you put in, put in some testing, like have them actually do a little task, see if they can do something on their own. Um, yeah, and, I think and by that, the way, the, the, the mm -hmm. whole point is when, when you do that, like the, all these typical sort of people who are just sending out 400 resumes every day, right? When there's a test or when there's a challenge and whatever, most of those people just don't answer. And it's, yeah. it's definitely a way to sort of filter out at, at least a proportion of those people. Right? Yeah. And, you know, before I did that, I used, <laughs> I used to talk with everybody. I would message people back and forth for a while and then go, okay, yeah, let's get on a Skype call and talk with these people and find out, no, these are all just the, none of these are right. And I would have to talk to so many people. But like, for example, when I was hiring uh, somebody to do customer service, I wanted to make sure that they had some grasp, some understanding of simple math. Like if a product costs us this much and we're selling it for this much and we have a credit card fee, What's the profit? I want to make sure that the person I hire is able to think through something like that. And so I would put that in the test on the application. And it was amazing. <laughs> if I sent maybe 50 people to that application, only four people would get that right. It's like, oh my gosh. 
<laughs> so previously I was wasting my time with that, those 46 other people when now I only talk with those four. Yeah. Yeah. So what, one of my key things and, and what I generally tell people or recommend people is that the prospecting, I mean, as when you always want the manager or the business owner, whoever is the person is going to report to, to make the job description. Right. But the actually finding the candidates, I always, always recommend having someone do that on your behalf. Right. Because it's one mm-hmm. of those things that takes a ton of time and, mm-hmm. and it's often not effective for a business owner to do that themselves. Right. Because it is, I mean, your inbox full up with a ton of stuff. So a, a couple of a, a couple of pieces of advice for me on that one is definitely number one is to one get someone else to do it. Number two is create a separate inbox. Yes. So depending on how many jobs you have, either create a separate inbox per job or just have like a jobs inbox. But what you want to avoid is you definitely don't want to bombard your own inbox with hundreds of applications, right? So mm-hmm. that's, for, for me, that's a, that's a big one. Now, the second thing is I always have a, a, a HR type person who, who really helps get all the applications, make sure all the information is there, puts it into a nice spreadsheet so that's an easy overview and so on. And, and that also allowed like the testing and, you know, we, we like doing a lot of tests when we hire people, for example, for, you know, grammar or uh, how how fast people type. I mean, because we yes. work online, we work online, right? And if yes. people type really fast, that's an advantage, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we have a few tests and it, it's really beneficial to have someone who, who just takes care of that, who is not you, right? Because the, the challenge I see is that if you're sitting doing all that, you're exhausted, <laughs> like you're exhausted in the interview process already before you even got to interview someone. Um, and that's, that's not a good way to do it. All right. And then the, the, the key thing afterwards is, is really to, to make sure that you, you really have a, a solid system for screening. Right. But I think, I think in terms of what you mentioned earlier, in terms of finding those people who are already employed, what we use with great success is, is LinkedIn, right? Mm. Because the beauty of LinkedIn is, first of all, you can search on very, very specific keywords. So for example, if you need someone to work with active campaign, like you can search active campaign, right? And you can find people who have that listed as a skill, for example. Um, and you can, you can basically go into a lot of detail and, what we have found work, and I, I mentioned this a few times, but, but always good to hear again, I guess. But um, when you reach out to people, don't say, hey, do you want this job? But say, hey, we currently have this job opening. Would you happen to know anyone that's a good oh. fit for that? Now, the value in that is, one, sometimes people put up their own hand and say, oh, that sounds super, that's something for me. But very, mm. very frequently, we actually get people recommending others, right? So actually saying, oh yeah, actually, you know, I know someone who's great with active campaign. Uh, he is, you know, he, I think he's looking for a new opportunity or something like that. So we, we have found that to work extremely well. 
And on the flip side, we've had a couple of times when we started out with LinkedIn, where we were basically saying, hey, you know, I can see you have a great skill set, whatever. Uh, are you interested in working for us? So we went very direct in the beginning. And the problem with that was within one or two messages, it ended up with like, how much are you paying? I'm currently getting paid X, Y, Z. And it basically just became a numbers game rather mm. than a job application. And if you start off like that, you're yeah. already on the back foot because if you talk salary or if you talk benefits and things like that before you've even talked to the person, uh, yeah, it, it doesn't work from a recruitment process point of view, right? Yeah, that's, so. that's very interesting. It makes me think like, you know, if you want to come back around to the sales thing, it's like talking features instead of benefits, kind exactly. of, maybe. Exactly. I don't know. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. So in terms of then bringing people on board, like when you actually find someone who you feel is a great fit, what do you do to ensure that they're going to be a success? Oh, man. I think this is something that's ongoing. You know, um, I, w I was thinking it would be good to set some context. And I, I, I always start out, I have, you know, this series of trainings. And of course, um, in, I was going to say in person, but one-on-one um, yeah, uh, -on -one conversations, you want, I want to, you know, I'm, I'm building a team, I'm building a family here. And I want to make sure that we continue that to have that kind of relationship. And because um, I go back to thinking about, you know, I used to have some really crappy jobs. And I think about this all the time. And it's, in fact, it's even in my training, I say this, you know, why, why are you here? Actually, that's the very first thing I say after welcome. That's the second video is, why are you here? I'd like you to think long and hard about this because we could be anywhere, you and I, doing anything, and yet we chose to be here. Um, and I've had some pretty crappy jobs. I imagine you have as well. Um, and so we have a choice to make. Why, why, you know, we could recreate that awful experience if we wanted to, but why would we do that? So, so let's together, let's, let's have uh, sort of this agreement that we're going to make this awesome. You know, I'm going to do my best to, to make this a really great place for you. I'd like you to do your very best to make this a great place for you and me and the team. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and so, like, I think it's really important to, like, first of all, think about that for yourself. Um, what are you creating? And if it's, if it's not a fun place that you love to be, why do it at all? You know? Um, and so I think that, you know, if you start with that attitude, I think that can permeate the rest to everything else that you do from there. Because really, <laughs> we might as well enjoy ourselves and, and, and be passionate about our work, do a great job and have fun while we're doing it. Yep. Totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah. So I think, I think it's, 
you know, that context is really important to set at the very beginning. Um, and then, yeah, throughout your, your, your training and onboarding, you know, just know that I think most people want to throw people in. That, that was always my attitude. Here you go. <laughs> go do this work. How do I do? How do you do it? You'll figure it out. <laughs> but, um, you know, there's, there is some aspect of learning while you're doing, but the more, the longer I'm in business and the more I'm working with people, uh, the more important it is to me to go back and make sure that con context is really set from the beginning. You know, if I have to make this initial training period longer, great. Because I know that the, if the more I get that right, the less often I'm going to have somebody who's not a fit. I ha we have to part ways whether they quit or I have to fire them, you know, six months later. And then we got to start this whole thing over again. Yep. Um, and, oh, dang it. I, I had a, a point there. But, yeah, you'd, I think people worry about taking too much time there. But really that's that's really an investment and and it's going to pay off so that roi roi is going to be huge because they're going to work better they're going to be happier you're going to have to do this less often yeah and I, I totally agree i mean fundamentally right like so many business owners look at it and they're like oh it's going to take so long it's not worth the time i don't want to spend the time um and and yeah i mean if you own a business, if you're hiring people, your number one job is to make sure they succeed because that is, mm -hmm. that is going to be your business. Your business is people. If you're like, yes, you can be a freelancer and make some decent money, but if you're building a company, if you're building an actual business, a business is based on people, right? It's not based yeah. on what you do as an individual. It's based on the people in the company. And if you don't build up that organization well, it's, yeah, you're not going to be successful. Yeah. And, you know, actually the other thing that this does for you, if you're very, if you're really thoughtful and you put together uh, a, you know, a training program that really connects with people, like I was describing, like really you're, you're building such a strong bond. That's going to really weird people out if they're not a good fit. So like, like I said, the second video I have in the training program is me saying, why are you here? I'd really like you to think about that. Um, I have other videos, like I said, where like, uh, I'm getting quite emotional. I'm not a bl blathering idiot sobbing, but you know, you can see it on my face. It, it, what I'm talking about was a painful experience. And if, if that kind of creeps people out, uh, I think that's good because then you're not the right person. Uh, and please self-select out right now before we have to do this, you know, six months down the road. Um, so it really does, you know, it makes people feel weird if they're the wrong person. And the, the other people who are the right people, you're going to create such a, a strong connection with them. And I've seen this happen in my team um, to, like I said, it was uh, 
much, much stronger than I anticipated. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it sounds, I know people, if you, if this is the first time you're thinking about this, it probably sounds a little weird, maybe a little woo woo or something, but wow. Um, and you don't have to be as, you know, I'm kind of a, you know, a, a, I suppose more of an emotional than logical person. So if you're on the other side of that and you're more reserved and logical, you know, if that's how you behave, you're going to attract more people who fit in with that. You know, what works for me works for me. Um, but either way, setting these intentions and making sure this is a, a good process is really important. So like we were talking about filtering out people before you hire them, that process doesn't stop even after you've hired them. You still, if, if you know, we're all going to make mistakes and hire the wrong person every now and then. Um, so you want to still be able to filter those out. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I mean, uh, lots, lots of these good sayings like, uh, higher, slow, fire, fast, and, and so on. Uh, the, the problem for most people, though, is they they just end up firing all the time because they're not investing the time and energy in the, the recruitment process, right? But mm. but uh, totally agree, yeah. Totally agree. Okay, that's good. Any other things? So what about in terms of training and getting up to speed? How do you... Uh, like get making sure people perform basically how how do you go around that yeah then we get into systems and this is this is actually a, i've had i would say in this area of hiring and training i've had really two epiphanies <laughs> that have changed the way i do everything one is the idea that i'm selling an opportunity and here's the other one in the business that i sold last year I had it documented down to just a T. It was just perfect. Everything was documented and I was so proud of that. But um, there's a point where you have all of this documentation and, and when people talk about this, I'm assuming they're thinking about it the way that I used to think about it, which is like everything's in like something like a Google Doc and um, for all of your processes, I think that generally when people talk about SOPs, like standard operating procedures, I think generally speaking, that's what people think about. Um, and they, they could be text, they could be screenshots, they could be video, but that's what I'm talking about. Um, here's the problem with those, with those types of systems is somebody will watch these videos or read the training once while they're training. And then, you know, they might do their job right a few times. And then a few months later, you start seeing little mistakes. And you, at first you don't think about it. You go, oh, okay, hey, why don't you fix this? And then that mistake happens again and again. <laughs> or the other, the other side is you start getting these questions and I think human nature is to just answer the question and don't think about it too much. Just answer the question. So that happens a few times. And then this happened to me. I realized, hey, hey, wait a second. There's training on this. Why, why are you asking these questions? And so 
my um, I'm this is not disparaging to my teammate at all. She was incredible, but she was a human. <laughs> and so I asked her that and she says, oh, there's training. <laughs> you, that was in the training. Like, yes, you watched this. And then, and then I say, yeah, so go back, please go back and re revisit that. And then she says, well, where can I find these trainings? Like, oh my gosh, <laughs> now my head, my hand is hitting my forehead, you know? Um, but I think that's a very common experience for SOPs, either that or they're just too boring for anyone to pay attention to them. So that, that's the problem. I mean, they're better than nothing. And I was, I was glad that the buyer of my business was really glad that I had all of that documented. But, you know, they get old, they get out of date, nobody remembers to go back and update them. And so what I realized as I was building my newer business, this bookkeeping business, is there there's must be a better way of doing that. And so... Uh, I ended up just sort of diagramming out in sort of like a bullet point, if you imagine, like typing things out in a bullet point format, out, outline format, like all of the various functions of the business. You know, there's marketing, there's sales, there's delivery of bookkeeping, um, you know, there's hiring. And so each of these could be like tree branched out into smaller and smaller details. And um, I realized my gosh, that's it. Uh, I, I just need to assign the task. And, you know, you, whatever project management uh, tool that you use, uh, I used to use Trello. Now we use one called Rike, but I know wow. people love Asana. You can just make these tasks and put the instructions in that task that you assign. And so that when somebody is doing the work, they are also looking at the instructions. There is no room for not knowing what to do because they have been assigned the task with the instructions. There's no way they could forget. And that was just a, just a huge light bulb for me. So rather than separating the training and the doing, the training and the doing become one. And that's uh, one thing that's still important is still making sure it's updated, right? Mm -hmm. uh, because yeah. even in those situations, I see a lot of people using product management tools, but in the same way, they're not updating it, right? So my, my way of making sure the documentation is always up to date is to basically make sure you assign a person who's actually doing the work and make them responsible to keep it up to date. Because yes. the key thing is most of the time, the manager or the boss or maybe even you as a business owner built the original process. But that doesn't mean that you will remember to update 7,000 processes on a regular basis. Uh, and that is what you need, right? If you want to yes. have company processes that are generally up to date, that is what you need, right? So, so really given the responsibility to someone who's actually doing the task, obviously it, you, you normally want to have a checkpoint. So basically when they want to update the process, they, they, they probably have to verify with their boss or whatever. 
but but fundamentally you want the person doing the job or one other people if it's a job that multiple people do to be responsible for each process and for example i mean I, i've done this a lot in customer service teams right so as example uh, if, if you have 20 different processes and you have a team of five people, you can split that out and make different people responsible for different processes. And what that does is that actually makes the team work together, right? It actually makes the team say, hey, you know, we can update this thing. What about we improve this thing? Or, you know, every time there's suggestions, they can at least have a discussion around it and they have the opportunity to come up with suggestions. And this is key because most people keep telling me, oh, my staff never comes up with ideas of how we can improve mm. and so on. And, and the whole reason is because they don't have ownership. They don't feel ownership for it. And therefore, it just doesn't occur naturally. 100%. That, yeah, that's awesome. And here's, here's something. I, I have not done this yet, but my partner and I are still thinking about it is, um, like you said, giving, well, I have given the authority to update the processes over to the team. Um, and, and I do this myself actually is, um, today I was sending out a proposal to somebody and I used to just go through it mentally and do, but I have a checklist now where it says, okay, open up this file, make a copy, put in the person's name, check, 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 check. And that takes, I mean, it makes my life simpler. Uh, for number one, I know I'm not going to make any mistakes. Uh, and number two, I don't have to think about this. I just put in the information. Um, but yes, giving that authority over to the team, I think, yes, absolutely. Because when I'm going through my checklist, it happened today. I realized, oh, wait a minute, that, that checklist item shouldn't, shouldn't be that. It should be something else. So I go in there and I update the template immediately. And so then the next time I do it, it's just going to be smooth. And so giving that to your team, that responsibility is, like you said, totally critical. But here's the, here's the thing that, I, that my partner and I are thinking about that we haven't done yet is actually, I think I want to require that teammates make suggestions each week. Um, I don't know. I'm like... How do you incentivize this? But require that we to get that habit of always be thinking about, hmm, how can I make this process? How can I make this better? Um, and then uh, giving them in the schedule time to actually make that change. Uh, designating, maybe we say two hours on a Friday afternoon, nobody does anything except for fixing this pro process that you've given the suggestion for. I don't know. <laughs> Might be crazy yeah, talk. We haven't the, done it the, yet. The challenge, I think, with that is that, you know, some processes are good and solid and, you know, the, some have been around for a long time and they just work. And some processes mm -hmm. are different. They need constant updating. So, yeah. I mean, I've, I've, when I were corporate, we did a lot of Six Sigma. I'm not sure if you're aware of what that is, but it's basically like process optimization and so on, right? Mm -hmm. And, and the, the, the thing is some processes are just, they're just very consistent and they don't need update and so on. And, and others just, you know, you, they're constantly changing either because of systems or because of, you know, circumstances or whatever. So like, 
as an example, Corona, right? Corona probably made a yeah. lot of people deal with a lot of things differently because, you know, suddenly maybe delivery time is different or, you know, if, if people don't get their stuff in time, you know, maybe the response to them right now is different because it's Corona. So that there's things that will naturally change on a, on a regular basis and there's stuff that just, you know, never changes. And, and I, I think it's important. So, so the way I recommend doing it to people right, is uh, make sure you have one person who is responsible and then make sure, like normally I recommend having one person who is responsible for your whole document with every single uh, workflow listed. And then they basically have a latest update date and they go through them at least, uh, usually check once a month if anything have not been updated for three months. And if there's mm. a process that haven't been updated for three months, then they go back to the person responsible for it and verify that, you know, it's actually still correct, right? So basically give the person a nudge to, to double check if anything has changed, right? But that's, that's generally how I recommend it because that way, basically your processes should never be more than maximum three months out of date. Yeah. I like it. So. Yeah. I'm not sure we're going to, we're going to quite go down that road of, of requiring. Uh, but yeah, somehow I want to build in to the business, this culture of, you know, that is one of our core values is always learning, um, always learning, always improving. And, you know, being a core value, I mean, that's how I like to approach business and, and life. I, I try. Um, and so somehow I want to uh, incorporate this into, you know, the business on a deeper level in the team and encourage this kind of thinking. I like it. I like it. Look forward to hear how you get on with that. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you know for sure. Definitely. Right, Isaac, it has been fantastic chatting with you. Uh, if the audience is desperate to get hold of you and pin you down for all your amazing knowledge, <laughs> what's, the, what's the best way to get hold of you? Sure. Well, um, so I guess there's a couple of things. If you want to just reach out and chat and ask any questions about any of this or anything else, I'm happy, always happy to talk with uh, fellow excited entrepreneurs. You know, I see this whole journey as an adventure and I'm always looking for adventure buddies. Um, and so, yeah, you can feel free to reach out. Uh, you could probably find me on Facebook pretty easily. I'm guessing, uh, if you want to email me, feel free. It's, uh, Isaac and spelling is of course important. And Isaac is usually spelled incorrectly for me. Uh, it's I-S-A-A-C at summitecommerce.co. Uh, you can email me there. Uh, but if you just want to follow along and, and, and learn more uh, from others, um, the podcast would be great. Uh, Mads, you were on. It was amazing to have you. That's Next Level E-commerce. And I interview uh, successful e-commerce e entrepreneurs. We go really deep into the story. And um, I think that's what people like to hear, especially is like, when, when was it hard and how did you get through that? Um, yep. So uh, anywhere you get your podcasts, Next Level E-commerce, or you can go to the website, which is 
nextlevelecommerce.co. Perfect. Thank you very, very much. It was awesome to have you. Yeah, thank you, Mads. This was really fun. I love digging in deep into some of these things that, uh, you know, you, you talk about a lot, but uh, people, people I talk with uh, generally, you know, we don't, we don't really go into a lot of this stuff super deep. So this is really fun. Excellent. And to all the listeners, thank you very much for tuning in and we'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Please leave a review. It means the world to us. You can also learn more about management at madsingers.com.